0: Alright everybody, welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Eagles Podcast, brought to you in part as part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, I am your host, Gino Camilleri, joining you on this fine Thursday evening in April. It is the 11th of April, the first day of the Masters, and a good Thursday to talk with an ex-Philadelphia Eagle, an ex-Gage Shilai Spartan, an ex-Maine Black Bear. I have... One of my friends here, Bruce Johnson, who was lucky enough to make it to the NFL. Bruce, how's it going? It's going good. So, if people don't know Bruce, he is not Bruce Anderson, who we uh, interviewed last week, who Lou was lucky enough to interview, but Bruce Johnson is an ex-Eagles UDFA. He was lucky enough to get a chance in the NFL, and that's exactly what we're going to do with this episode. I I precursored it yesterday that we're going to start to discuss some of these udfas and guys that don't have the luxury of getting their name called on day one day two or day three but guys that still make a positive impact they make an impact on the 90-man roster they're going to be there competing day in and day out so bruce you're coming out of high school you have a couple offers what what was that whole process like when you decided to go to maine were there any bigger schools that you were looking at or did they just give you the best opportunity to play uh, at a high competition
1: uh, my whole, my whole thing with going to Maine for me was they were the first team to give, my, give me an offer um, after my junior year of high school. Um, I went to a, to a one-day camp. One of the coaches happened to be there, and uh, they actually gave me an offer that day. Um, I ended up having six offers coming out of high school. Uh, probably would have ended up going to Villanova if they hadn't called me on the night of sign day when I was already getting ready to sign uh, my letter of intent to go to the University of Maine. But, you know, it is what it is. It all uh, worked out in the end for me. Um, Pretty crazy process as far as, you know, going through the NCAA clearinghouse and things like that. Um, But, I mean, in the end, I mean, I feel like I made a great choice by going to the University of Maine.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you said you almost went to Villanova. Philly people would probably have loved that. You probably would have been a fan favorite (laughs) if you made it out there. And uh, you were lucky enough to make it to Philly. Yeah, for sure. Crazy how things come full circle. So for those of you who don't know Bruce, haven't followed his career, he played at Maine FCS school. He was a three-year starter, played every snap his final three seasons. He uh, redshirted his freshman year, got some game-time action his freshman year, and then went to have a great career. He walked away with all sorts of honors, all sorts of first-team honors for his conference. He actually was awarded the Remington Award in 2015 for being the best center in the FCS, which is absolutely incredible. And Did you take pride in that, Bruce? I I know it's probably an obvious question, but is that something that you hold in probably one of the higher accomplishments in your life, not just in football, but as a, as a person in general?
1: I mean, most definitely. I mean, everything that I, that I do in my life, I always want to be the best at it. So, you know, even coming into Maine as a, as a freshman, I always looked up to the guys that were all, already all-conference and all-Americans. And, you know, my number one goal was to be the best guy in my position. So, you know, thankfully with, you know, a little bit of hard work and, 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 and you know, the, the, the coaching from the great coaches that I had there, you know, I was able to obtain to that trophy, and, you know, it was kind of crazy because when I got it, I mean, I was kind of shocked because, I I mean, there there's no forewarning. Uh, one of my coaches called me, and he told me I got the trophy. I mean, I was I, I, was, I was definitely shocked by it. It was, it was a crazy experience, definitely one of the best experiences of my life so far.
0: Yeah, that's awesome to hear and much deserved. And that's got to be crazy that you're awarded the best uh, – best center in fcs when out of high school you were a left tackle your twitter your twitter handles at gclt73 so what made <laughs> you transition to that position was it i mean coming into college a 6-3 player that's a pretty good size left tackle pretty good size guard but how did you end up settling on center
1: um honestly for me i mean it was really something that i was just thrown into um like i said coming into college uh we had three centers on the roster they were all either juniors or seniors so uh you know like you said I, I redshirted my freshman year and then um coming out of my redshirt freshman year my coach came to me and he was like can you snap uh funny because you know life life does work in full circle when I started playing football my first year my uh seventh grade year I modified I started out playing center but everything that we did was all under center okay so mm-hmm. you know going to going to college where, you know, we were predominantly out of a shotgun. It was all new for me. I didn't want to do it. You know, went there as a guard, as a left guard actually. And uh it's crazy because the way it happened was our center went down with a highly sprained ankle in a in a game against Villanova, which is which is one of the best wow. defenses in SCS wow. football. And um I ended up getting thrown into the fire. Those guys were blitzing me like crazy and uh that that's how it all happened for me, man. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you absolutely have to be an intelligent kid to understand how to play center at, at every single letter, at every single level rather. You're basically the second Definitely. quarterback of that offense. You have to know all the blitzes. You got to know the snap count. You have to know where basically every player is on the field at any given time and you were you played 3 years, you ended up getting your degree in mass communication and minor in anthropology. And w- what was yep. the the work life balance like between football and school? Do you take a lot of pride in your school work? Was it was it something that you really pushed to work towards, or was football the clear cut number one in your mind? Um, I mean, one thing I do regret. I mean, I like if I know if if I
1: went back to college now, I would definitely take more pride in school. Now, saying that, I mean, I did I did graduate, you know, on the, on the dean's list, so. You know, I definitely worked hard at it because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, a, a one of those students that just go in there, goes in the class and, and gets straight A's. It's definitely something I had to work for. I um, mean, the good thing with college is you got to maintain a certain eligibility in order to play. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, that definitely pushed me. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, even when it was in high school, my, my number one main goal was to make it to the NFL. Um, and I tell guys, I mean, I'm, I'm a personal trainer now on the side, and I train a lot of guys that are getting ready, getting ready to go to the NFL now, and I tell them all the time. If your number one goal is not going to the NFL and that's not your main focus and you may still have a semester left while training to go to the NFL, it's not going to work out for you. The NFL is a one-shot kind of thing. You can always go back to school and get a job. The NFL, once, once that bus passes, it's not coming back.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and being at that high of a level too—that's a full-time job. I remember uh, C.J. Pelosi; you played with him a couple years in high school. He played at Ithaca for a season. Yep. And he, that was D three ball, and he even said that he was doing—he was in the in the classroom studying his playbook several hours a day, and to to see the transition from D three to D. 2 to D1 FCS and then all the way up to the grandest stage of the NFL, Mm -hmm. that's a full-time job. And like you said, if you're not going to give it 100%, which many guys have probably let their opportunity slip by and not gave 100% to football, uh, you, you absolutely have to give it your all and you've seen that time and time again it's one of the toughest leagues to make it to so as you were starting Most to get definitely. up there in your uh, your career when was the first time you started to hear whispers that the NFL actually could be a, could be a landing ground for you you're in FCS you're not in a huge market playing up in Maine when was the first time you started to get recognized
1: um I mean, here's here here's the biggest thing. I mean, you know, to go back a little bit of you saying like, you know, um, being a six-three left tackle was a was a was a pretty good thing. Um, it's always been kind of a down a downfall for for me actually, because I mean, mm. um, I never re- I never really received the big Division One offers because of the fact that I was a six-three tackle. You know, once you get up in levels, the tackles are you know they're ranging from six-five and up. So I mean, mm. that always played against me, and you know, I was never really a three-hundred-pound kid until. My, my junior year of, of, of college, you know. So, uh, for me, I knew it was definitely – the NFL was definitely something that could happen for me. Um, I would say going into my junior year when I started to get a little buzz from the conference, started started getting more respect from the coaches, you know, got a couple my, – my, my first, uh, you know, third-team all-conference award. Um, for me, you know, knowing that there were three teams on that all-conference list, looking at the players that were on there and knowing that, you know, I could – I could have been and might have been better than some of those players that were ahead of me, that kind of, you know, lit a fire under me, you know, saying that, okay, I know that if these guys made first team all conference, or maybe, you know, first or second team all American, I know that I can get there. And if this is all I have to do in order to get to the NFL, then I'm I'm, I'm willing to do it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome to hear that that really lit a fire under you. And that rose you to ended up winning the Remington Award, which is an outstanding honor. So, Draft season's starting to come around. You're, you're all done. You're graduated. You were snuffed from the combine, unfortunately. What was that feeling like? Yes. Um, for me,
1: um, you know, the, the agent that I have, and I, I still communicate daily uh, with Ahmad Johnson at uh, uh, DRT Sports, he, I'm, I'm glad that he was really upfront with me. And, you know, once again, it goes back to the, to the story of, oh, you know, he's too small, undersized, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I feel like for me that really played a part in me being snuffed by the NFL Combine. I mean, it was really confusing of, you know, how can you be the best the best center in, you know, Division One FCS football and not get an invite to the NFL Combine when, you know, I had other guys from my conference that made it to the Combine that same year that played offensive line that weren't the best at their position. So for me, I mean, it was, it was very confusing, but once again, there there was always something in in my football career that kind of drove me to be better and better and better. So for me, not for for me knowing that I wasn't invited to the combine, I trained harder and harder and harder every single day. That, that's all I could do. I mean, you know, once once the cards are dealt, you got you got to play your hand. So I mean, I, I I definitely try to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get into your pro day. We're just gonna take a quick break real quick uh come back on this next segment of lockdown eagles where we're going to finish up chatting with uh bruce johnson All right, everybody, welcome on back to the second segment of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Once again, we are joined by former Philadelphia Eagle, Bruce Johnson, an undrafted free agent. We just got done discussing the combine snuff, but then, Bruce, you go to your pro day, have an excellent day. You have tons of teams sitting there watching you, and you actually graded out a lot better than a lot of the centers at the combine did, so... Did you feel good after that? You were starting to feel uh, better after the snuff, and you you came out in your pro day, and you were feeling good. Were teams starting to talk to you then? Starting to get a little more hype around your name? Uh,
1: definitely. I mean, I I, I was excited about my pro day. I mean, I, I did post great numbers. I was a little disappointed because, I mean, the, the thing that none of the teams that were there knew is I pulled my hamstring two weeks before the pro day, and I was I was panicking like crazy. Oh, um, and it's funny because. At my pro day, I believe I posted a, a – it was like a 5 or something like that. And the day I pulled my hamstring, I, I posted a four nine eight forty. And I, I wanted to go back and work on my start. And I got down and within the first 10 yards pulled my, pull my hamstring two weeks before the pro day. So, you know, I, I definitely was excited about the numbers, but knowing that I could have ran a little faster and that may have gave me a better chance to get drafted – I mean, I definitely was a little worried about that. But in saying so, I mean, I, you know, I had, I had great drill work. You know, I, I, I did great in, in, in the, the interviews with the coaches and whatnot. And, yes, I did start to get a little more buzz uh, directly after that pro day.
0: Yeah, so after the pro day, what teams were really in contact with you the most? I know the Chargers, they, uh, they privately worked you out, if I'm not mistaken. But were there, like the Eagles, were those the top two teams calling between San Diego at the time and Philadelphia?
1: Um, I mean, it's funny actually. Um, San Diego was was the first team to contact me, and I had been in contact with them probably, I would say, every week leading up into the draft. I mean, I, I thought they were going to draft me, um, but it's funny because the Eagles, I had not spoken to not one day before the oh, draft. Wow. Um, yeah, it was more communication from San Francisco, uh, Cleveland, Atlanta. Um, I actually talked to the Bills a couple times, uh, the Steelers. But, yeah, I I had never talked to the Eagles, not
0: once. Wow, that's wild that things came up like that because the Eagles, they they had a lot of depth at that position. And and you're sitting there day one, two, and three of the draft. Did you really think your name was going to get called? Did you think you had a legit chance to go? I'm I'm assuming you were expecting a a later day three, a middle day three selection. But did you think you actually could hear Bush Johnson's name
1: called? Um, like I said, I mean, you know, sitting there with my agent, I actually, I actually threw a draft party, um, and whatnot. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the first day, first, the first day of the draft, you know, first and second day of the draft, I knew my name wasn't going to be called. But like I said, um, you know, at my draft party, the first day of the draft, you know, we're having a good time with the family. You know, the whole time I'm thinking, okay, San Diego is probably going to take me day three. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're calling me during the draft. You know, you know, getting a sense of, you know, how I'm feeling, how things are going on. You know, and first round, they take Max Unger out of USC center. Right. So, I'm like, okay, let's let's see where this goes. Maybe something else happens. Um, you know, we get to day two. They take an, another center, and I forget who it was. But after they took the second center, I'm like, okay, probably not going to get drafted. Um, you know, sit down, talk to my agent figure out what my options are going to be after the draft. So, you know, going through the whole draft was definitely, I mean, it's kind of like a smack in the face, but, you know, not to, not to repeat myself, but once again, you know, there, there's always something in my football career that holds me back from, from, from you know, pretty much having what I want to have. You know, I always had to take the hard path. So, I mean, it was, it was definitely kind of, kind of nerve-wracking for me.
0: Yeah, so you're sitting there late day three and you kind of figure that you're not going to get drafted. When, when did teams start calling you, trying to get you in their door as a priority UDFA?
1: Um, teams started calling me towards the end of the seventh round. The first team that called me was the Oakland Raiders. Um, then followed by that was the Atlanta Falcons, Philadelphia, and then, of course, San Diego. Um, So, I mean, the way that worked for me was the Oakland Raiders had called me first. They put an offer on the table. Um, You know, my agent, looking at the rosters, they had a Pro Bowl center there, Ronnie Hudson, already. Mm -hmm. They had a couple young guys behind them. Probably not a good fit for me. Um, You know, the next call was Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Philadelphia Eagles gave me a great offer. Um, I actually, after signing with them, I actually came out as one of the highest-paid undrafted free agents to come out that year, uh, with, with my with my signing bonus and whatnot. But I mean, the whole issue for me was, you know, I had to, I had the uh, Oakland Raiders on, on the line for about an hour the whole time I'm negotiating a deal with Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Mm-hmm. And the Oakland
1: Raiders weren't weren't willing to raise their price in order to get me. So, I mean, I kind of I went with the Eagles because of, you know, the the roster moves that they had made. There were some spots that could could have possibly been open for me, and they also gave me the best deal. Uh, while some of the other teams, you know, for example, the Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons called me and they wanted me to come in on a trial basis with no contract at all. So for me, I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer. You know, I have an opportunity to go as one of the highest-paid undrafted free agents or I can go to Atlanta where I'm guaranteed $0 at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you said you were looking at the, the depth chart there. And I, I thought the same thing when you signed in Philadelphia. I was looking at I'm like, oh, wow, we have Jason Kelsey. I'm like, this is going to be a tough path for Bruce to follow if he mm-hmm. wants to make that team. Were they ever looking at you a, on the interior when you got into camp uh, at the guard spots, or were you always a center in, in their opinion?
1: Um, as far as the Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles go, I was always a center in their opinion. Um, I wasn't heavy enough to play either guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, I didn't. They didn't move me to guard until the day before they cut me. And it was funny because I went to guard. I had a great practice. And, you know, I'm talking to the offensive line coach, um, Jeff Stoutland, at the time, and he's like, you know, you, this, this, this is your best practice of the year. The next day I get released. So, I mean, that, that was, that was kind of crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What what was it like? What was camp like under Doug, under Stoutland? That's the first year that Carson is there. Was was there a lot of buzz in camp? What, did you learn a ton from Stoutland, who's one of the best offensive line minds in the entire NFL? Uh, definitely.
1: Definitely. Um, Coach Stalin was definitely uh, probably one of the best offensive line coaches I've had. I was lucky enough, uh, the reason why I went to Maine was Frank Joffrey, who was a longtime Colts um, offensive line coach. I, I was I only had him at University of Maine for one year. Then he left and went to the NFL. So, I mean, I've, I've been coached by NFL guys for, for the majority of my career. Um, you know, Coach Stalin definitely knew a lot. I mean, he definitely knew, knew a lot. Uh, coach Peterson is definitely a great guy, one of the best coaches i ever had. Um learn a lot from those guys. There was a ton of buzz in camp. Obviously, uh, we all went there as, you know, the the, the the third team guys of the rookie team, and, um, you know, snap, snapping the ball to Carson Wentz. I was on ESPN damn near every day, so, I mean, that was awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember. I was, I was totally excited to see you snapping to him in, in those last couple preseason games, and I, I honestly yeah. thought you had a, had a good couple preseason games. The tape that I watched you, I, I was reading up from uh, a lot of the beat writers around the Eagles organization. They said that you were showing up pretty well in practice. But, unfortunately, things don't turn mm-hmm. out for the best, so the Eagles end up cutting you. What's the next step, Bruce? Where's your head at? What were you thinking? Did you think you had another chance to go play somewhere else, or were you were you thinking about walking away at that point? Um,
1: Actually, I mean, it's, it was kind of – it was, it was kind of weird because, I mean, for me, the Eagles kept me until the third week of the preseason. And the way the NFL worked when, when I was there was you made cuts after every single preseason game opposed to where now every player has to be kept until the, the fourth preseason game. So nobody gets cut now until, until right before the first game. Um, and I, I started to see my play time diminish week after week after week. It brought in a couple more veteran guys. So I'm talking to my agent. I'm like, look, I need to get out of Philly. I need to go somewhere else. I don't like my chances here. Um, you know, I started to clash a little bit with, with, with Coach Stoutland. Um, and, you know, for me, I feel like my mindset was more on leaving Philly because I wasn't getting the opportunity that I wanted. Um, so, you know, when I, when I finally got cut from Philly, you know, honestly, for me, it was a relief. Um, mm-hmm. Because I knew that I had an opportunity to go somewhere else now, when you get cut from a team there there 's a two day window where you 're not allowed to be talked to, so you know I get cut after 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 a workout one day actually i i'm i 'm at, at workouts with the team um we get done, I leave the weight room, you know they tell me to bring my iPad to the office usually when they tell you that you know you 're getting cut mm-hmm. so you know grab all my stuff, pack up everything, I drive home, and literally the next day. I get a call from Coach Guziano, which was at the time was uh, the, the San Diego Chargers' of, offensive line coach. Um, and he's like, look, I know I can't really talk to you right now, but as soon as you clear waivers, you're coming to San Diego. We already got your ticket, Pack your stuff. You know, it's time to get on the road. So for me, I'm like, okay, I was actually working, painting some houses at the time with my father. Um, you know, and they call me and they're like, hey, your plane's ready. You got two hours to get to the airport. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I got there, and I was, I was extremely happy. You know, um, immediately I went up to, to the main office, talked to all the guys that were in charge, you know, and it's funny because they are like, hey, we wish we'd have drafted you from, you know, from, from, from the jump. So, you know, my, my time in San Diego was definitely great. Obviously, that ended kind of short. Once again, uh, game of numbers. Um, I went there on a Wednesday we had a game on that Friday against Minnesota opening up in their brand new stadium, and uh, four guys went down with season and injuries, so uh, it was kind of last guy in, first guy out for me. It was, it was definitely bittersweet.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate, it's funny how things go full circle. You you start, or what you end, rather, where you your football, NFL career started, talking to San Diego, and, that, and that's how you walked away from the game, so at... At what point were you at peace with being done with football? I know that's a, it's a, it's a tough crossover for a lot of these guys. I, I mean, even me playing high school sports, I knew that last day it was so bittersweet that, hey, I may never actually play this again. At what point did you become at peace with it and realize that, hey, maybe there's a, something better for me to do outside of football?
1: Uh, for me, honestly, it wasn't until last year, man. Like, after I got cut from San Diego – I didn't watch football. I didn't want to see football. Like I really, it really gave me like kind of a kind of a hate for the sport, which I had never had before. I and mean, I went into kind of a depression. Um, so, for me, I actually, I, I I got into the gym. I started personal training because I, I needed a job. I needed money. And you know, my agent was like, "Look, just keep training, keep training." Um, that same year, with uh, the last year that, that they hosted the veteran combine down in Arizona, and it was that March. Um, I went to the veteran combine, Um, you know, great performance. Um, They they wanted me to gain 20 pounds. So I actually went to the veteran combine at 325 pounds from 305, which I was with the Eagles because they they wanted me to be able able to play all three three positions on the interior, left guard, right guard, and center. So I did that. I had a great day there. Uh, I thought, you know, talked to a couple teams, but, you know, once again, you know, I, I, it, was, it was the kid from Maine, you know, small school Maine against, you know, kids from Arkansas to Alabama, West Virginia. And it was kind of disappointing once again because some of those kids got opportunities and I didn't, and I had a great day that day. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was definitely disappointing. Um, you know, I got a job at the gym doing some personal training uh, with, with my old trainer, and um, I actually met a guy in the financial world, and he was like, hey, you know, I like, I like what you've done in your life. I love your story. And, you know, if people believe that you can do one thing, they, they believe that you can do everything. So I actually got into the finance world, taking all my testing and whatnot now to become a certified financial advisor. So I would say probably just now, I'm just now getting over, you know, the whole NFL thing.
0: Wow, that's an awesome story, Bruce. Wow. I, I think a lot of people around the league commit their lives to something so much as they do football and it's really a life changer when you you can't walk away and play every day like you did but it seems like you're making the best of it right now you're on to bigger and better things unfortunately football didn't work out for you but it looks like you just got married it looks like you're moving on to bigger and better things with your job you're doing well in the personal training world if you were looking back at Bruce Johnson taking snaps as a Gage Chilai Spartan, what is one message of advice that you wish you could have went back and told yourself? And a piece of advice that you could would tell every other person that's going through the same process that you are going, you went through? Um, I would
1: say as you're going through this process, whether it be the transition from high school to college or from college to the NFL, because I mean, honestly they're, they're no different, it's just, you know, put your blinders on, put your head down, and don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. There's always going to be coaches that, that, that aren't on your side, that don't want you to be there. And, you know, when you let those coaches get into your head, it takes you out of your game. It takes you out of your mental focus. So what you need to do is just put your blinders on, man. And, I mean, you're, you're, not there, you're not there for no reason. You know, if you weren't good enough, you wouldn't be in that position. So, you know, continue to do what you have to do to be great. And, and work your hardest to be the best at every single thing that you do. Play after play, you know, rep after rep, no matter what it is, do your best. That's that's what I that's what I would tell all the young guys out there.
0: That's awesome, Bruce. Keep doing great things with personal training. Keep spreading the good word to keep working hard to all these young kids. Keep making a positive impact on everybody's life. Thank you for joining me. This was probably my favorite interview I have done to date. Keep doing great things, Bruce. We appreciate your time. And, uh, everybody, I'll finish up right after we come back from the break. So, thank you very much, Bruce Johnson, everybody. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, just finishing up here at the last segment of the Thursday, April 11th edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Thank you once again, Bruce Johnson, for joining me. I'm absolutely appalled at how great that interview went. He is an absolutely – Great kid. He was beloved by everybody in my high school. He's probably, I'd say, one of the most recognizable kids ever to come out of Gage Chilai, only behind Lou Graham, the lead singer of Foreigner, and Sierra Dillard, who just got drafted to the WNBA yesterday out of the University of Buffalo. Bruce, unfortunately, wasn't able to make the NFL, but so are so many other individuals that go through college football. There's such a small fraction of people that make it to that level. For him to even suit up and take snaps from Carson Wentz, that's something he's going to remember for the rest of his life. Something I remember. I remember sitting in my buddy's basement, and we were just in shock that, wow, a kid that we went to high school with was able to accomplish something. So, like he said, put your head down to the grindstone every day like Lou and I do every single day. Thank you guys for listening to us. Keep giving us views. Keep giving us reviews. Keep giving us listens. Share everything. We love the we love criticism. We love uh, your positive comments too. We love to interact with you on Twitter. We appreciate everything you guys do. You guys are getting our numbers through the roof. Keep getting us more more and more listens as we go on. We're getting closer and closer to the draft. Just wanted to guys give you. Guys and girls, a look inside the world of the people that aren't going to be called on day one, two, and three. The guys that aren't Montez Sweats of the world, the Kyler Murrays of the world. The guys that, hey, you might not know them as Mr. Irrelevant and you might not hear about them at all. You might not even know that they were on your roster, but they are. They all play a role in the world of the NFL. They all make an impact and there's some hardworking people that have their lives changed in the blink of an eye. But once again, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading I loved having you guys here to listen to me today, listen to this interview with Bruce. It was an awesome time. Check out any of our old shows on Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts. Check out the Mothership Lockdown Podcast Network. Check out the website, LockdownEagles.com. We're going to come out with our Mega Mock Draft coming up in the next few days Once I get everybody's player write-ups in there, it's going to be a nice one. We had a cool mock draft that we went through. But I'll leave you guys all with this. Have a great Thursday. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And fly, Eagles, fly.